desire can attract everything you want in life. Passion by Design is a show about designing and living a life of passion. I'm Paula McChesney, here with my co-host, Sandy Peckinpah. And we're here with you live every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. to discuss living life fully through the senses. Here on Radio Monterey, KRXA AM 540, and streaming live on the Internet at RadioMonterey.com. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Paula. We have a great show planned, don't we? We do. Well, we'll be talking about coordinating every aspect of our lives so that we're living life with purpose and passion and possibility. Yay. I like all of those things. Yeah. Um, When you look at the things that comprise our lives, our bodies, our minds, our physical surroundings, and together we're going to explore what it would be like to design your feel-good life. You know, Sandy, that's that's a term that you and I have been using a lot lately, and I really love it, I have to say. It Mm -hmm. is so powerful, and it's really what Passion by Design is all about. And, you know, there's so... There's so many great thought leaders and speakers and so forth, and we, we allude to them a lot, Tony Robbins being one, the Abraham Hicks mm-hmm. people, Louise Hay. And I was having a lovely conversation this morning with a, a very, very wise, wise, wise woman. And we were talking about this, and it's really in... What, what motivates us? What makes us do the things we do? Whether we think we want the bigger house or the uh, faster car or the relationship or the college degree or the job or, or whatever. And it's really, it really, really boils down to this one little secret or one huge secret, if you will. And it's because mm-hmm. we're going, we think that we will feel better in the having of whatever it is that we're seeking. And the reality is you can take the big car, the big house, the relationship out of the equation, and you can choose to feel good. Mm-hmm. And Passion by Design is really talking about intention and purpose and feeling good. Um, and today we're going to talk about the three components of our life, and we've touched on these before, and we will continue to touch on them. And it's our inner space and our physical space, our our world and our our surroundings, and our connected space. So, Sandy, talk to us a little bit about the inner space. Mm, that's my favorite. <laughs> As a writer, I think there's nothing more delightful than uh, introspection. And so um, we talked a little bit last week about the importance of our stillness and the way we wake up in the morning. And that time is really about our relationship with ourselves and how we choose to start the day. And I always recommend either reading an inspiring book or um, even if it's just a few chapters, you know, uh, there's an unbelievable quote that says nearly one in three Americans haven't read a book in the past year. Oh and my that's gosh. according to the recent, I know that's according to the recent uh, Huffington Post uh, poll. And whereas 25% of individuals in a 1964 to 84 literacy poll said that they had read a book in the past day. 
And so I would like to invite you all to start reading again, which is perfect because we have a great new book that we're going to be introducing today on today's show and the author. But um, getting back to our inner space, that's my preference to start the day and what I encourage everyone to do is to look within, have some time for stillness, have some time to write in a journal. That really sets the tone for your intention. And then what about our physical space, Paula? Mm, well, that, that's my area of, of passion and love and, and actual expertise. As many of you know, I am right. an interior designer, and I work um, based here in Carmel on this absolutely beautiful Monterey Peninsula. I do, I'm privileged to work all over the world. I have wonderful clients who have, have I'm going to call them gorgeous homes because I did them. <laughs> Of course. Uh, wonderful homes around um, Hawaii and Aspen and the wine country and Carmel and so forth. And this, to me, is just such a, such a privilege to be able to create the environment where people spend the majority of their lives. And if you think about it, we spend a great deal of time in what, what I call the built space, and the built space is, mm-hmm. is kind of a professional term that I don't, I don't think most people outside the profession know, but really it's very simple. It's the spaces which we build, we construct, we design, we build. It can be your home, it can be a restaurant, it can be a resort, a spa, it can be anything. And mm-hmm. because we do spend so much of our lives in those spaces, I think they're very important. And personally, I know that I choose, for example, a restaurant. If I want to go to a restaurant, I want to go for the experience of it. I'm going for more than just the food. I'm going for how does it feel when I walk in the door? How's that ambiance? Does it smell good to me? Does it feel good? Do I feel welcomed? Is the energy matching the energy that I'm bringing to it or shifting my energy? Maybe I'm feeling, you know, a little low key. Maybe I want to be brought up a little bit. Um, Maybe the energy and the music or the lights or the general vibe, we can feel those vibes. It's very, very, very powerful. Very powerful. Well, as a real estate professional, I can tell you that I'm always surprised at how powerful the energy of a home Uh or a piece of land feels. And, um, in fact, recently my my business partner and I had a listing that we had had listed for some time. Uh It was a fabulous home in a fabulous neighborhood, very desirable, in an area desirable for schools, um, convenience. It should have sold the first week that we had it on the market. But it was a home that had been inhabited for a long time by people who didn't really care about it. Mm. And so things were run down, and they were renters um, who were in transition, and they uh, weren't able to keep up on the home. And so by the time we had it listed, it had no yard. The paint was a mess. The flooring was a mess. Well, we had the paint redone. We had a new backyard put in. We brought a few things in to stage the property Uh and try to give it life. Well, nothing worked. And so finally, I spent two weekends 
in the home doing open houses, and I was asking people, what did they feel? And they said, well, it just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't have the TLC, even though we had done everything to maintain the property and to bring it back up. Well, there was a little stain, and it was probably about six inches, on the bedroom carpet upstairs Uh in the master bath, and the carpet was light. And throughout the house, the rest of the carpet looked fine, but the final thing that they saw when they went upstairs was that stain. Right. And isn't it interesting? The day we had that stain removed, I could feel the energy in the home shift, and it was as though the stain was the one thing that marked the home as unloved. Oh, my gosh, Sandy. And as, as soon as we had that stain replaced, the next day we had two offers. Wow, what a what a powerful well that's a great story. I have not heard that before. That's that's yeah. such a Isn't great that story. Amazing? Well, you know, mm-hmm. it it is and it isn't to me in this I mean it, yes, it's amazing and it's not surprising because I think we are we don't give ourselves credit for being as intuitive and as tuned in as we really are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always fascinated energy and vibration fascinate me. Even things as simple of as sometimes you can just feel someone looking at you. And they can be behind you, but you can feel someone watching you. How, yeah. do, how do we pick that up? We're not seeing it. We're feeling that energy. And, you know, x-rays, for example, we all know that x-rays exist. We've seen them. And yet we just hear this little buzz when they take them. And then, you know, we don't see them, but we know they're very real. Radiation, we can see the effects of radiation. If you're getting a radiation treatment, we don't see it, Mm -hmm. but it's very, very real. So energy is something that I think is so powerful. And we have the ability to shift it and to manipulate it and to work with it, which is what is so, so great. And it can be as simple as, Sandy, as you said, cleaning a stain removing a stain. Mm -hmm. It can be as simple as painting a wall a different color. It's Mm. always phenomenal, you know, astounding to me because color and paint is so easy um, to shift. And it's just paint. I think people are very afraid of making a mistake in color. And it's just paint. I reassure them. You know, if if after you live with it for three days and you don't like it, you can change it. But it's such an energetic shift. I had a a client, oh gosh, a long time ago, and he had heard me give a lecture on color. And he went home and he actually painted one of the walls in his home office this very cheery kind of a buttercup yellow, not a not a beat you over the head lemon yellow, but this very warm good feeling yellow. And he said, he came back to me and he said, oh my gosh, my productivity in my business has absolutely gone through the roof and I haven't changed anything. Yellow is a very, very good color for productivity. So any of you business owners out there, um, you, you can add yellow with a vase of daffodils. We're in spring. Daffodils are in bloom. Really, really simple. Lots of ways to to shift that color energy, um, and he it made a huge difference for him, and he made a lot more money, so he was happy. <laughs> 
You know, that makes sense because if we're motivated to fill ourselves with love and spirit and work so hard on our self-worth and who we are, why don't we also surround ourselves in a home and environment that reflects who we are? Absolutely. And it's it the the so the thing that I just find so delightful is that it is very easy I think people get a bit overwhelmed, especially when they think about uh, a designer or working with a designer, and they think, oh, my gosh, it's going to be expensive or overwhelming or too much. And I always reassure people that, especially if you feel you have a small budget or a small space, you can't afford to, to waste a single penny or waste a single foot of space. So everything counts. And working with a professional, even if it's just a one-hour consultation, and, you know, people ask me, they say, well, gosh, will you do something that small? Of course I will. If I can get you going in the right direction. And some people love to do it themselves, but they don't quite know what to do. And that's what designers are for, is to consult, point you in the right direction, get you going. Um, Some of my clients like me to do the entire thing. They just say, take it away. And that's fine, too. So there's lots of variables wow. in, in how you can really begin with something, as I say, even very small, and shift your space. So I, I urge all of you listening to look at a room in your home. It can be your kitchen, your living room, your bedroom, your bathroom, your entryway. And we're going to do more programs about this because I obviously have mm-hmm. a lot of juice on these. Um, and see what what is the feeling you get when you come up to your home, when you drive up to your home, when you walk in your front door. Does it feel welcoming? Does it feel where your shoulders can drop down and you can relax? Or do you feel like there's cluttered energy um, or angry energy or upset energy, what exactly do you feel? And we want you to notice that and pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And as a real estate professional, I also light is important. Oh, absolutely. And as well as fragrance. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, I'm a, I'm a big one on that. You know, Sandy, we mm-hmm. probably better go to a break in a minute. Um, and w- when we come back, we will have our guest uh, who is going to be talking about energy and space and so forth and we'll be delighted to have her so we will be right back internet at radiomonterey.com We've been discussing designing your feel-good life today, and we have a really special person with us today. We're privileged to continue our conversation about a sense of place and ourselves and our creative spirits with Claire Fullerton. Well, Sandy, I'm delighted to... uh to have met Claire, and, and we met uh, on the telephone recently, and she just sounds like she is absolutely right, right our kind of gal. She is uh, 
She's an award-winning essayist, and she's a contributing editor to numerous magazines, including Girlfriends and Sassy and Renew Every Day, which sounds very interesting. Um, She wrote a weekly column for the Malibu Surfside News. Her work appears in two of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and most recently in Just Us Girls, so I'm definitely going to have to look into, into that. And she, I was intrigued with talking to Claire because she has written a book that we're going to have her tell us about. So Claire, welcome to the program. I'm very happy to be with you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Sandy. Yeah. So, So Claire, tell us a little bit about your background and who you are and what inspires you as a writer. Okay. That's a great question. Um, My name is Claire Fullerton, and I am a writer, and I write anything and everything that comes to mind that has an inspirational tinge to it. In other words, as a writer, you always have a point that you're trying to make. And I've uh, enjoyed a nice career in writing essays and magazine pieces, um, wherein I tell stories, you know, inspirational little stories, um, as I did with the newspaper column in Malibu, California, that you mentioned. And so what I've done recently is um, publish a book. The name is A Portal in Time. It was published by Inspire Publishing, great little publishing company, um, at the end of November. Mm -hmm. And what this book is, it's technically the genre, you would say. Well, this book is historical fiction, perhaps even a historical romance, with a mysterious twist. And what's of interest to your listeners, Sandy and Paula, is that the setting is in two different time periods, in Carmel by the Sea. Mm. Oh, beautiful Carmel. Beautiful Carmel. And I did, you know, go to the the library on Ocean Avenue and did a lot of research because one of the time periods is modern day, and the other time period starts in the year 1908 in, in the Monterey Peninsula, Carmel by the Sea, and all of that. And what I do is go back and forth in oscillating time periods, oscillating chapters. And these two time periods have uncanny similarities. And there's a reason, as you know, as the author, I've chosen to unfold this story in that way. And uh, again, it is mysterious. And uh, I hope to have written a page-turner that is suspenseful <laughs> and really sings the praises of Carmel by the Sea, gives a good feel for it, a good sense for it, of the history, certainly, uh, and just, you know, well, engage it, the reader. And, and it sounds like you have a good deal of romance in the story as well. Is that right? Oh, most definitely. Mm. Most definitely. And uh, what, can, what was... The time in 1908, what was that like in Carmel? Well, first of all, what I did was ascertain what they wore. And the men Mm -hmm. wore the the morning coats and the frock coats. And, of course, they weren't driving cars. They had their horses, and they had hitching posts and, and all of that. I had to ascertain when the railroad tracks were laid that would bring people from San Francisco, for instance, right. into Carmel by the Sea. And I had to do research about how developed was Carmel at that point in time and who lived there primarily. And I came to find that it was uh, 
the artists, the theater people, the writers, the poets. I loved the whole environment, but uh, there weren't a lot of trees there, for instance, at that point in time. And so, really. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It was very, very interesting to find out that Carmel was was developed by its citizens, who were primarily artists, that were attracted to the environs because of the inspirational surroundings, and that. If you can imagine what it would take to inspire, say, a painter, um, you know, the, the crashing sea, the mist, you know, just the ambiance in, in the very air, uh, perhaps areas that were, that were peppered with, the, you know, the, the pine trees, the cypress trees, although at that point in time they really weren't in abundance. You know, Claire, that's so interesting because you put me in the mind of photographs that I have seen of the Carmel Mission, which when it was built, the photos actually look quite odd because you're right, there is not a single tree around. I mean, not photographs of the mission, but um, drawings, excuse me, paintings of the mission. There are no trees around, and it looks very odd. You are exactly right. What an interesting observation you made. Certainly, and if, if we know a little bit about, you know, say, um, Thomas Jeffers and the Tor House, the one thing that, that, that he did immediately was plant trees everywhere, all around him. Robinson Jeffers? Robinson Jeffers. Right, exactly, yes. He planted a lot. Yes, you're right, a lot of trees. Mm. How great, how great. You know, one of the things, too, that to talk about your writing, because I'm so afraid, Claire, I'm going to give away something about the book, so I'm being, <laughs> I'm being very careful here. Um, you mention, as a writer, that you are a journalist, and you know that Sandy and I are avid journalists. Sandy, um, such a wonderful writer. Um, why, what, what is your input and your viewpoint about keeping a journal i've i've come to find that what i take for granted and think well it's obviously valuable not everyone gets that so what is your point of view on on a journal i think for a writer it's imperative um i'll go so so far as to speak uh, personally sure and that was i started keeping a journal when i was 15 or 16 uh with no encouragement from anybody i just felt compelled to do so to document my life, and I found it to be an inner monologue, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, a cathartic experience. Um, but, but also what it does is it teaches you how to put your feelings and your viewpoint into words. And mm-hmm. it, it was always easier for me to do that with no expectations, nobody around to, you know, try to tailor make my language for it was just between myself and, and and myself and i have always done that and what journaling does is it teaches you how to write it develops your craft whether or not you're looking for it because you do learn well the next thing that you need to do is to learn the art of being succinct mm. and and so and therefore you know you get a, a respect for the beauty of language and that you really want to find the right word that will say an entire, an entire sentence. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you have to, you know, develop and, and expand your range of vocabulary. And it teaches you as a reader, while you read, all of a sudden you're paying attention to how something is written. And, and, and therein lays uh, the beauty of the art of the perfect essay. 
And then if you, you know, you get that, then you can start to surmise how to write a novel. And you find that they have very, very similar formulas. Now, the one thing I never did was go to creative writing class you know, mm-hmm. in college or any of this. I stayed away from them because I didn't want to be told what somebody else's formula was. I was, I was more comfortable with finding it on my own and, and um, you know, through study and reading other writers. You know, you intuit what it is that, that works and what it is that's conversational uh, without anybody trying to shape what you have within you naturally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's just, yes, and- that's my process. And, you know, Claire, I'd like to add to that that I think what writing does, and especially in a journal, and I think the reason that it benefits so many people is because it puts you in a position of being an observer rather than just a reactor to your life. And you start to see patterns. And I think that's so powerful when you look, I, 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 when I read back on my journals, I'm, I marvel at the person that I was and the feelings that I had then. And in fact, (laughs) yes, isn't that something? In fact, I uh, just posted a picture on Facebook uh, this week of me as a 16-year-old girl. And I happened to look at that girl and I thought, who was that girl? She seemed so different to me. And I went back and I looked at my journals because I've kept them all and found what that 16-year-old girl was thinking and the life, oh, if she had only known then, the life that she had in store. And uh, I think that's one of the powerful things about being a writer is that you get to have that observation. And it doesn't come naturally. At first, when you start writing, you just sort of write, you know, oh, I had a meeting with a great person today or, you know, and then, but all of a sudden, then your world opens up and you start to observe your thoughts about that. And it's a beautiful process in my mind. But one thing that... And I will say Excuse me? Go ahead. Oh, Having said that, it occurs to me that where I am right now, and I think wherever you are at whatever age, you think you pretty much have a handle on things. And so where I am right now, I'm I'm fully aware that that I'm going to be further on down the road this time 10 years from now. And I'm still going to be writing the novel, look back 10 years from now, and marvel at what I didn't know (laughs) today. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm completely prepared for that. Right. You know, in tying this back into what we were talking about as a sense of place and our surroundings and the places that we choose to live and the home that we choose to live in, you actually have a great line that um, is in the description of your newest book, A Portal in Time. And you said, when we are inexplicably drawn to love and a particular place, is it coincidence or have we loved before? Do you want to talk about that? Oh, definitely. Thank you for asking. It's one of my favorite questions. Um, I have mentioned that my intention was to write a, you know, a good page-turner that would, with an offbeat premise that would entertain people. And I wanted it to be suspenseful and surprising with this offbeat premise, but I also wanted the reader to consider their own relationship to coincidence, their own relationship to hunches, their own relationship to their own intuition. In other words, when you have a sense, you know, perhaps the hair on your arm stands on end, and you have a sense that you're either being watched 
or you've been someplace before, or perhaps you see a person in a crowd and something inexplicably draws you towards them and, and you, and, and you want to say, now what is this that I'm truly responding from? And this is, this is one of the questions that a portal in time asks the reader to consider, uh, that these things that happen to us, perhaps even on a daily basis, you know, people look for signs. A bird flies in the house, and what does that mean? Some of these are superstitious type of leanings. But, but the whole idea is, what is your relationship? In other words, what is your understanding? Uh, is this what you consider being guided through life? And if so, guided by whom? You know, these are the questions that in this story, I, I'm not making any statements, I'm not doing anything, but, but clearly this nice, charm, charming story is asking a question all throughout. And it's pretty much just that. What's your relationship to some of these procliv proclivities, promptings, leanings, what you're attracted to? What, what really is that? Where does that come from? Mm, that's really, those are great thought-provoking questions. And, you know, I, I pay attention to when... When something comes into my mind or someone's name, for example, comes up and then it comes up again and then it comes up again, the third time I say, okay, all right, I'll pay attention. I don't know <laughs> why I'm supposed to contact you. I don't know why I'm supposed to do what I'm doing, but I'm going to trust that, that inner voice um, and go with that and follow that intuition, which I think is, for me, is is very, um, very strong. I think we all have intuition. And I think that when we learn to trust that inner guidance, that inner voice, that intuition, we open ourselves up to a whole nother world of sensory uh, richness, if you will, that becomes very, very rewarding, very exciting. Agreed. And, and I think you learn in so doing what your particular language is. And, and with regard to this big, big subject matter, uh, it occurs to me what we do not have is a proper language for it, to describe the ineffable, if you will. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Love, love that. Yeah, ineffable yeah, so is such a we, great word. We all learn how, uh, you know, in, in our interior life works. And it's not necessarily something you can explain to the person standing next to you. Nor, nor should you have to. You know, it, it needs to be something very, very personal. And it's called your understanding of divinity, in my opinion. It's mm -hmm. your understanding of your relationship to the divinity all around you. Uh, in whatever way you want to name that, you know. And mm. so this is part of the human experience, you know, in my opinion, is that so much is happening of the soul, of the spirit. You know, define your terms there. You know, where's the line of demarcation? And so, yet again, it's a big, big subject. But yet there are similarities uh, that I think that we all have. Mm, absolutely. Yes, it, it's such a rich, a rich topic of, of looking, looking inward and seeing what are those things that spark us, that inspire us. Um, and the practices that we can put in place, whether it's journaling and whether it's simply, and this is going to sound odd, <laughs> breathing. The word inspire, inspiration, we, 
we inspire, we breathe in, we take, we take in life and air, and air is life. Um, and it's a wonderful connection between the inner world and our inner life and and our physical, our physical life. We need to take a quick break here in just a moment, so don't go away. We are with Claire Fullerton. This is Passion by Design. I'm your host, Paula McChesney, with my host, Sandy Peckinpah. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Passion by Design. I'm Paula McChesney. And I'm Sandy Peckinpah. We have as our guest today author Claire Fullerton. She has a new book out titled A Portal in Time. And Claire has a great line in the description of the book that she just talked about, being drawn to love and a particular place. Is it coincidence or have we loved before? You know, Claire, I'm such a romantic, and I would love for you to describe your heroine. Okay, I will. Um, Her name is Anna Lucera. She is of Italian descent. She's 25 years old, and she's spirited and very intuitive. She's a little unpredictable. She has a great joy for all things. She goes diving in uh, without looking more often than not, and she just greets the world in a very open-armed, enthusiastic way. What is most remarkable about her is she has uh, what I refer to as a very dependable sense of intuition, so much so that she has gone to school or is going to school as the story is taking place to learn how to develop her intuition. And, uh, by the way, in the book, um, I describe how one does that. So if one is interested in the subject, <laughs> yeah, read A Portal in Time. because mm, uh, Excellent. Yeah, it, it literally in the book, she is describing to her paramour uh, what this class is that she's taking. Uh, her paramour is a lawyer, and he's... Uh, very, you know, of this earth, very black and white. Uh, everything has a reason which he can point to. And so naturally he's drawn to offbeat Anna Lucera, who's quite his opposite. Um, but she is describing to him, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm learning, this is what it means, this is what intuition is. This is how you, you know, uh, develop your own intuition. I, I don't want to say anything further. I want people to read this book. <laughs> But if you're interested in the subject, it'll be like a tutorial on how you do that. Ooh, that's in, an in a, in added a, bonus. Know, in a slight way in the book. It's not what the book is about. It happens to be what this, this main character is about. And I had to establish that to my readers in order for the entire book, the premise of it, to be plausible. Claire, I mm. am always fascinated by novelists and I have such a hyperactive imagination that my challenge with words is that I'm absolutely in love with words and I they just spill out and tumble over and and just too exuberant at times how do you as a novelist make your distinctions on how 
flowery a description you go into without it becoming sickeningly sweet and how you do you understand what i'm asking certainly i do yeah certainly. tell us about I, I, I that process that, yeah i think everybody um will have their own answer for that but first of all let me let me cut to the chase and say what we know about writing is writing is rewriting and so my process is such is that i avoid the temptation of editing my own work while i'm laying it down mm. i keep moving forward because you can you know, waste a year oh. going over what you wrote yesterday. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us. <laughs> and, pe- and people do. It's a very common error. Um, and so that having been said, I lay the whole thing down. And then I go back and I read it as if I didn't write it. And then I go back again. In the, in the instance of a portal in time, I went back a third time. And I checked it like as if it were mortar. I checked it for foreshadow. And then I went back again and I checked it for dialogue and then i went back again and i checked it for continuity and in this process to answer your question what you end up doing is understanding that there is a very delicate balance uh, fine line between brevity and and really wanting to get your adjectives in yes in other words you don't want to weigh things down with your own stellar impressive command of the english language (laughs) to the point (laughs) <laughs> to the point where you're losing your audience. And so... Claire, yeah. that is... Excuse me, may I just interject? That is really an important thing that you're saying here because I think that, uh, and I'm sure you know lots of writers who do this, I think that you can get so caught up in the beauty of the English language that you can kill a story. Well, I think. I think... The bottom line is this. Be true to who you are and how you communicate. Mm-hmm. And I think that I uh, attended last week uh, a very, very highly acclaimed worldwide uh, speaking engagement of, a, of a, a poet. And she also teaches uh, creative writing, and her credentials go on forever. And so, you know, wonderful. And, and I was listening to, to the parameters uh, that, that plenty of creative writing classes will say that, that you, if you want to be a writer, adhere to this. And my individual experience has been, I didn't want to be one. I, I became aware that I was one. And I think that for me, I don't even think about it. I write exactly how I speak, you know, and I speak mm. exactly how I think. You know, this is legitimately my thought process, and these are the words that I choose. And so... That is exactly how I write. And I think that, you know, anybody that would know me would say, you write exactly how you speak. And I think, is there another way? You know, because you're not trying to be <laughs> impressive. You know, because people right. see straight through that, and, and you may be squelching uh, a voice that an audience isn't, isn't going to get otherwise if you're busy, you know, editing yourself. And so one must assume a devil-may-care attitude and get about the business of communicating according to them and 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 let let the readership be the judge but i think that that it, it it's an exercise in futility to be your own critic beyond what we know about the craft of writing you know because well, you know, there's writing and there's laying it down yes and then there's being aware of what the craft is and and the reason why you want to be aware of the craft is you want to keep your reader engaged well, you know, so Claire, you that's, it. It. 
I'm, I'm, you've got me so excited. I'm, I'm jumping on you here. Um, that's so interesting because you are so authentic in doing your process the way you're doing it that your authenticity has to come through to your readers. One would hope so. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I, that's, <laughs> I think that's very exciting. It, it's really about being being true to yourself because uh, there's every reason to believe that. I mean, if you think about people like Jane Austen and, and plenty of writers of that time period, none of them went to went to school. Correct. You know, to, to learn how to do this, you know, and today mm-hmm. it's a big, big business. You know, everybody getting their MFA from wherever. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's not a viable road for some. It just didn't happen to be my path. Right. You know, the the Carmel piece of this is so powerful, and I know that that it really informed your writing. And there's a there's a great um, quote that is about you, which is um, you're talking about you're documenting your surroundings and that the tendency to try on new environments like most women try on dresses. Did you like that? That's hilarious. Thank you so much for pointing that out because I cannot believe you did that. You are so astute. <laughs> I just think that's brilliant. I I just love that. It's 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 yeah. very it's what makes you amongst the things Claire that that make you special. Now I know I want to make sure and get this in. You, please share when you're going to be in Carmel doing your book signing. We've got to get this okay, in. Okay, thank you so much for asking. Um, I'm going to be happily doing two events thus far in Carmel and in early April. So April the 3rd, I have the pleasure of being a guest on J.W. Winslow's uh, show, Fresh Air. And I, I, think, I hope all of your listeners know about J.W. Winslow's Fresh Air television mm-hmm. show, um, mm-hmm. 3 o'clock on April the 3rd. And then I'm doing a book signing uh, at the Pilgrim's Way on Dolores. And uh, that's between 5th and 6th on Dolores. And that's Saturday, August the 5th, between 1 and 3. I will be there with mm-hmm. copies of A Portal in Time. And I, I really hope that people in Carmel um, will, you know, Come out and, and get this book because it is a page turner and it really sings the beauty of Carmel in that I'm describing how it feels to be in that mystical, magical environment, the mist, the trees, there's a sense of history in the air. Now, I really wanted to peg what it meant to, to, to be in Carmel, what it is that draws so many people there. It's that, you know, that relaxed feeling that they have and I found that Carmel being there is a very internal experience. In other words, you're not in New York City being bombarded and stimulated with neon lights and, and cars and, you know, can't make a decision on where to go and what to do. Carmel is the exact opposite. And so that was the reason why, uh, or part of the reason, there are many reasons, why this story of Portal in Time was set in Carmel was because everything has to speak to the entire premise of the book and primarily where it's set, you know, in order for it all for the whole book to work. Right. To establish that Carmel is a magical place. Well, you know, what I just read, and I shared this with Sandy, in this week's Carmel Pinecone, it says, magazine readers name city, meaning Carmel, the third most romantic in the world. I swear to you, this is this was just I believe it. out of this this week's paper, Travel and Leisure magazine. <laughs> it said that readers picked 
tiny Carmel by the Sea as the world's third most romantic city behind Paris and Venice, but ahead of Florence, San Francisco, and Rome. That is so wow. Isn't that great? Agreed. <laughs> it's just incredible. So what you're saying, you are spot on with, with what you're doing. Let me just make sure. You're coming up in April, April 3rd, and then not until August? Did I understand? No, and then April 5th. Okay. Did I say August? I believe, I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I, I just want to make sure that people who want to come to the Pilgrim's Way, and I support all, all of our listeners uh, who are hearing this, to come and support the fabulous Pilgrim's Way bookstore. It is a um, wonderful bookstore. It's a magical place. They have they have just created a magical garden and a place, and so it's it's not to be missed. Claire, Indeed. can you also give us the name of your website and how people can find out more about you? Thank you. Um, yes. So the spelling of Claire Fullerton, my name, is C-L-A-I-R-E, and then Fullerton is just like Fullerton, California, F-U-L-L-E-R-T-O-N. So if you just put www.clairefullerton.com, it will take you to the book cover of a Portal in Time, the work that I've done, and all of my links where you can buy this book. Um, but I want everybody to go to the Pilgrim's Way. <laughs> and so it's, you know, everything that you need to know, you will find out by going to my website, clairefullerton.com. And you have a... Wonderful. I'll be getting a copy. Yes, Sandy and I both are. Um, And I want to ask you, because I think there's a real misunderstanding. We just have another couple minutes, but I think this is so important. This is my burning question. Um, (laughs) In the last minute with you, Claire, you write what you call clean and sweet romance. And I think some people don't understand how powerful the genre of romance is. Do you write steamy romance? No, I've never done that, and in, and in fact, um, a portal in time being considered a you know historical romance, or per, you know I've even I've even had the description of paranormal romance. I'm fine with all of it, but it is romantic in that it talks about the the, the nature and the depth and the profound you know bond of the spiritual relationship, the draw that these characters have to each other that is. It is profound and life-changing. And so there was no need in in telling the story of a portal in time to bring any type of uh, colorful language nor, you know, steamy sex scenes or any of this. It is not what the story called for because a portal in time is is, is a different type of romantic relationship. Uh, Claire, we are Mm. excited to read your novel. Thank you so much for being a fabulous guest today. I know that our listening audience is going to go and check out your website and visit you. Um, We are just thrilled. Thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And our hour is coming to a close already. We invite you to visit our website at passionbydesign.com where you can purchase our book and you'll find more information about living your life with passion, purpose, and possibility. I'm Paula McChesney. Well, I'm close to you.